0: This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 342. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen biweekly, so why should Payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn in is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period, Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, When I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download EarnIn today. It's spelled E A R N I N and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the EarnIn app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can where it says what podcast did you hear about the mom? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. EarnIn is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max and location. See slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. With Christine Hassler, show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 342. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. Christine Hassler is a bestselling author, a keynote speaker, a master coach, and podcast and TV host who is committed to guiding people and organizations to their highest potential. She left her successful job as a Hollywood agent at the age of 25 to pursue a life she could be passionate about, but it did not come easily. She had to lose her job, her engagement, her money, and her health. And work her way off of antidepressants and other medications after being on them for nearly 20 years before she really found a life that she could be totally passionate about. After being inspired by her own unexpected challenges and experiences, she realized that her journey was indeed her destination. Listening to hear Christine share all about her rock bottom phase, how finding herself in serious debt, constantly sick, suffering from depression, estranged from her family and in a broken relationship with her fiance was actually her starting point for everything to finally get better. How to reframe fixing your life from learning from your life lessons, how to navigate expectation hangovers, why you shouldn't prevent your child from feeling negative feelings, How we use spiritual bypassing to forgive too quickly and why your inner critic must exist and how to turn up your inner wisdom in order to turn down your inner critic. This was a fun conversation, and I know you're going to want to take a few notes. There's definitely some ah ahas in here and some great takeaways. So get out a pen and paper if you're in a place where you can safely do that. And let's go ahead and dive in with Christine Hassler. Christine Hassler, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. So excited and honored to have you here today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. This is going to be fun. I know that you do a ton of media, so you are (laughs) well-versed in fun, engaging conversations. (laughs) No pressure. I know, no pressure. (laughs) I do expect you to be our best guest ever. (laughs) Amazing. Set the bar low. (laughs) Right, right. So we just went through your bio, but I want you to tell us a little bit beyond your bio about what's going on in your personal and professional life beyond the bio and what you're most excited about right now. I'm most excited about my life right
1: now. I think I'm the happiest I've ever been. I feel like all the work that I've done, really the past 20 years, has finally just integrated. And I feel like I have, you know, a better relationship with myself than ever before. And that is impacting all aspects of my life. I'm planning our wedding. I'm getting married in September. I found the love of my life after a lot of searching. My business is. Going beautifully. We just had a retreat and 100 women came and probably one of the most incredible moments for me was walking out on stage and seeing every ethnicity and color, every body shape, every background, every age from 18 to 70 and just being like, oh, wow, this isn't about me anymore. It's really about the work. And so I just feel compelled and inspired to share how I got to feeling, like, really peaceful and happy in my life. Because I think the external things, you know, the marriage and the career and all that, they're just really the result of the internal work.
0: Oh. I love this answer. You mentioned integration. And I think that is a really interesting idea. I wanna kind of pause on a minute because I think a lot of times we feel like we're showing up and doing all the things we're supposed to do. Like I'm going to the gym and I'm doing my journaling Mm -hmm. and I'm meditating and we're like, but I still have this job that I hate and I can't find the right guy or I'm in a marriage that's not happy or like all these other things. So talk to us a little bit more about what does that integration look like? And how did you go from like practice and implementation to that full integration that got you to this happiest place ever?
1: It's been a journey. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that knowing that it's a journey got me there. Mm. Knowing that there wasn't one book you could read or one workshop that you could take or one podcast you could listen to that was going to fix everything. And also knowing that there wasn't anything necessarily to fix that oh. I was never broken,
0: Yeah, that
1: I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. And what I was, quote unquote, trying to fix was more lessons I was working to learn. And integration to me is really about when awareness drops in to, well, better said, when awareness becomes embodied, when you don't have to think so much about not being anxious, you're just actually not anxious mm-hmm. because you've healed and resolved The core wounds and the beliefs and the operating system that produces anxiety because most feelings are just an alarm system. They're just signaling you to something that needs to be resolved or a place you're out of integrity inside yourself or you're too stressed or something like that. And so integration is also the process of being more aware of your triggers Mm-hmm. Being able to recognize them and be able to deal with them in the moment instead of just sweeping them under the rug. So it's not like I'm walking around all blissed out, nothing ever bothers me, and I'm in the best mood all the time, and all my relationships <laughs> are perfect, and I never have stress. I mean, even this morning has just been one miscommunication after the other. I don't know, blame it on Mercury being in retrograde the past month, who knows? However, the way I respond to things is very different. Yeah. And life about what happens. It's about how we respond to what happens. And so integration, it's just, we have more of that, that internal awareness and that internal responsibility and know that at any moment we can choose
0: how we want to respond to something. I think that's so powerful. And I appreciate the point about around responding because yeah, like you said, integration doesn't mean that you've just created a magical life. That's always going to be magical. Like (laughs) there's still going to be days that suck. (laughs) Yes. Monday is still going to be Monday. (laughs) Yeah, today was especially Monday. <laughs> I can commiserate with you because my son and I were both in tears before 8 a.m. this morning. So it was not just you. Yeah, I was like just posting on Facebook saying like, this is a day I'd like to hide. Luckily, I have a lot of things scheduled that won't allow me to hide. And that will help yeah. me shift the energy. Like for me, that's like one of my skills is knowing what can pull you out when you really want to just pull in. So. Mm. Tell us about your story of living the Hollywood life and walking away from it all and losing everything and hitting rock bottom.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's such an old story. You know, I'll tell the quick version of it. And the only reason it's still relevant is because it's how I started what I do now. But I've been doing what I do now for 15 years. So that's why I say it's an old story, because it wasn't yesterday. But like so many of your listeners, I had a moment where everything that I was clinging on to for safety, security, identity, happiness Like fell apart. I was working in Hollywood. I was an agent
0: Mm.
1: and was miserable and ended up leaving my job. I was dumped by my fiance. I was estranged from my family. I was in tons of debt. And I had health problem after health problem. I was diagnosed with depression at age 11. My hormones were off. And then they diagnosed me with some kind of autoimmune disorder they couldn't label. All of that is resolved now. I'm fine now. But it was just everything that I looked to to define myself was gone. Mm. And that... Rock bottom moment was really the turning point when I started to be, become aware of the fact that I was really a victim. And I had the thought that, like, wow, if, if all this stuff happened to me in my life, I must have had something to do with it because I'm a common denominator. And I've been looking at it like I'm a victim and like the world just happens to me. What if I looked at it a different way? And I didn't know what the different way was. But I was clear that looking at it like a victim was not getting me anywhere. And that's when I reached out for help. And that's when I really dove into work with my first coach and ended up writing my first book. And, you know, that's how I do what I do now. But it really was just that moment of I really needed to lose everything. And not everybody needs to lose everything. But I did because I'm an overachiever. That's how I compensate for my insecurity. I can do a lot. So like I have a high threshold. So I have a very actually strong mind and I can push and push and push and push. My Mm. body has been the thing that has been the indicator that I'm doing too much because I don't have that kind of physical system. So I was just like going and going and going and going and could have kept going that way and knew that I needed someone to show me a different way because the way I
0: was doing it was just burning me out. Interesting. At that time, were you good at listening to your body? No, I was completely (laughs) disconnected from my body. Yeah, yeah. I didn't
1: even know I had a
0: body except (laughs) obsessing about how it looked. You were like, (laughs) were you someone who was more focused on like, this is my to do list and that's like all that matters versus like my body screaming at me that something's wrong.
1: Yeah, well, it was a couple things. One, this is my to do list is all that mattered. I had a story that my body was broken, Mm. so instead of like listening to my body, I was always running from doctor to doctor trying to fix my body. And then three, I definitely had body dysmorphia. And I think I had a bit of exercise bulimia as Mm -hmm. well. And so it was more like my body's okay if it looks okay. Okay. And so I was either exercising or trying to like fix some ailment, but I wasn't really listening. I didn't clue into the fact that physical symptoms are usually the unconscious mind trying to indicate An emotional issue Mm. (laughs) to us. But once I started to know that, and again, have the right healers and teachers around me, then my physical body started to change as well. So
0: interesting. And what I'm thinking of right now is the idea of controlling your body versus listening to your body. <laughs> like, I'm going to go to these doctors and I'm going to exercise a certain way and eat a certain way and like yeah. all these things, trying to control all these variables rather than really listening to like, what is the bigger picture? And like you said, uh-huh. like getting in touch with this victim mentality that you would kind of wrap your identity around. Yep. So powerful. This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic medical grade ingredients. I just randomly, Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know, like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they wanna pick at it and it was getting worse. And so Active Skin Repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship And I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect. So Vinny does not like ointmenty, creamy, lotiony things on his body, but I was able to get out the spray, literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived, put it on his toe before he went to bed. And the next morning he was like, mom Understood. Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it. Pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for, and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. So now, today, you talk about expectation hangover. So let's jump into that. And I want to know what is an expectation hangover, and how can this be a doorway to opportunity?
1: Mm. So an expectation hangover is when one of three things happen: either life doesn't go according to plan. Like you aren't getting pregnant. Or life does go according to plan, but you don't feel like you thought you would. Mm. Like you spent ten years trying to get pregnant. Now you have kids and you're like, wait, I love them and I love being a mom, but this hasn't solved all my problems. Right. Or three, life just throws you an unexpected curveball. You get laid off, you find out there's infidelity, or it can be even tiny, but some kind of curveball disappointment, the surprises that you're not expecting. Mm. And What I'm basically talking about is disappointment. And disappointment, there's so many other emotions that are wrapped up in disappointment, right? Anger and sadness and fear and blame and resentment and shame. And disappointment is a juicy place to be. And why it's a doorway to opportunity is because the way I've seen life work, to simplify it, is we are all here to grow. We are all here to learn. And life brings us, or even more maybe accurately said, We set up, or consciously and unconsciously create, and attract certain situations in our life to teach us the lessons that we're here to learn. Mm. So, for me, I know one of the reasons that I struggled with depression for twenty years is because I am supposed to learn how to feel and how to release emotions and how to know joy and how to know peace, and break a generational pattern of mental illness in my family. And I, and also to do the work that I do. I couldn't teach people how to release and heal feelings if it was never a journey and a lesson for me. Right. So these things that happen, they evolve our own growth. They help us break generational patterns. They help us evolve as souls. They trigger us to heal things from our past that we haven't looked at. And sometimes they also lead to how we contribute in life and what our passion and what our purpose is.
0: Right, right. So interesting. And I totally, I'm imagining that, you had a lot of expectation hangovers 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's probably shifted tremendously now because you've been listening.
1: I've been listening. My length of time between Mm -hmm. expectation hangovers is a lot longer. Mm -hmm. And the time I spend suffering in one is a lot shorter.
0: Such a great point. Yeah. I appreciate that you don't say like, I just never have them anymore because you're still human, but also having the tools and I mean, back to integration, like having the tools to be able to quickly integrate in order to move forward rather than staying stuck. I think in staying stuck in disappointment specifically, I think is really, really significant.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Let's talk about the importance of feeling feelings. And this is a big one. This is something that's been coming up for me, kind of frequently recently, as someone who just wants to make everything better for everyone, (laughs) I think that there's a lot of push for like, just go for a walk in the sun and it'll all be happy and positive again. Mm -hmm. And I have a six-year-old and I have to catch myself to like really let him feel his feelings rather than trying to fix everything for him so that he doesn't ever have to feel bad feelings, negative feelings or hard feelings. So how do you see women avoiding feeling their feelings and what are the risks of this?
1: Okay, well, first let's talk about what you just talked about, about being a mom Mm -hmm. and wanting to fix your kids' feelings. So (laughs) Don't make my baby feel pain. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. I get it. And I'm not a mom yet. And I can understand, not from experience, but just from being a human and being a woman and feeling like I have thousands of children with the work that I do.
0: Totally. um,
1: Is it's very uncomfortable to see someone you love, especially a child, an innocent, sweet little child suffer. Mm Mm-hmm. And as a mommy, you just want to make them feel better. right? But what can happen is on a kind of unconscious level, they can start to think that their feelings make other people feel uncomfortable. And so it's better not to show them. Yeah. They can start to kind of have a codependent relationship and look to other people to make them feel better. And so they don't really learn how to navigate their own feelings. And three, they also don't get to ride a feeling all the way through. You know, one thing that I teach in my courses and in my last book there's a technique called the temper tantrum technique, and I really teach adults how to have, like, a good old-fashioned temper tantrum because if a child has a temper tantrum and they're just left to go have it, they'll ride the wave of the anger and the yelling, and then they'll get to the sobbing, and then they'll get to the whimpering, and then they'll soothe themselves, and then it's over, you know, unless there's something deeper psychologically going on with a child, but if they're just upset – they'll get all the way through a temper tantrum Mm -hmm. and find a way to soothe themselves. But if as a parent, we're always intervening, then they'd never get that experiential experience of learning that their feelings are okay and that their feelings aren't scary. Right. And so what I encourage parents to do with their children and with themselves is when you're feeling a big feeling to like give them a place to let it out. Like my friend, she had a, like a little kid's punching bag. Mm -hmm. And when they'd feel big feelings, they could go in the feelings corner and feel their feelings. And instead of trying to reassure them, she would just ask, what are you feeling? Okay, I hear you. What else? What else? What do you think these feelings are telling you? Instead of just trying to make them feel better. So yes, soothe your child. Yes, have compassion for your child. Yes, hug them. Yes, tell them they didn't do anything wrong. That's such a big thing to hear as a kid. You didn't do anything wrong. But try not to interrupt their feelings and then the same goes for ourselves is we feel a feeling especially as grown-ups and one we don't feel like we have like the safe space to express it you know Mm -hmm. like if you're in a meeting or you're you know on a plane and you get in a fight with your husband like what are you supposed to do have a temper tantrum in like 18c on the plane like how, (laughs) how do you do that so one thing that I've learned and I write about this in the book too is I just say if I feel super triggered and I feel a big feeling, I say, okay, anger, I feel you right now. I'm not going to ignore you. I'm just in a place where I can't process you. So I'm going to make a date. And at 8 p.m. tonight, I'm going to release right about this or I'm going to like have a temper tantrum technique or whatever it is. And that's a really good practice, making a date with your feelings to Give yourself the opportunity to acknowledge a feeling has come up and give yourself the opportunity to, what I like to say, release it rather than recycle it. And Mm -hmm. back to your question, how do you feel your feelings? It's about releasing them, not just feeling them. So most of us, especially women, we may say, oh, well, I cry. Like, I feel my feelings. I feel angry. However, we tend to be judging or analyzing ourselves or attempting to fix ourselves while we're feeling them. We don't just let ourselves release. We're crying and we're thinking. And if we're crying in front of somebody else, we're thinking, I'm such an ugly cry face. I'm taking up their time. I'm such a bother. I'm so embarrassed. And all of that judgment and that analysis recycles the feeling rather than truly clearing it. So feeling your feelings is allowing yourself to just feel, just emote, just like let it go. You know, like the other night and I was with my fiance and luckily I have him to hold space for me when I did do this now. I didn't for many years before he showed up. But the other night, like I was just anxious and I couldn't sleep. And he's like, what is going on? And I'm like, let me just like feel. And I closed my eyes and I just stopped my mind. I just felt incredibly sad. And I just started crying. And I don't know why. I just needed a good release. I just needed to cry. And sometimes for me, because of the work I do, sometimes it's not even my sadness. Yeah, and This is something, you know, especially as mothers, you could be picking up your kids' feelings. You totally. Could, most women are sensitive. And I just had this, and I had just taught a big retreat. So I knew I was just carrying sadness. And I just had to just cry until I was done crying. And then he said, what do you need? And I'm like, I just need a hug. And we didn't need to talk about anything. I didn't need to analyze anything. I just needed to feel. And now because I've kind of cleaned up so much of my trauma from my past, most of the times my feelings aren't necessarily triggered or linked to past hurts or past events. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to spend your whole life in therapy. You don't have to spend your entire life processing your childhood. Like if you've been in therapy five years or more and you haven't seen a change, you definitely need a new therapist because (laughs) it's really like you shouldn't have to. But a lot of times when we first give ourselves permission to feel our feelings, you know, we're feeling the sadness we felt when we were five. You know, we're feeling the sadness we felt when our dad left. Mm. We're feeling the sadness we felt when we saw our mom have to go back to work or whatever it might have been. And as we start to feel our feelings, we unlock feelings that we've brushed under the rug and suppressed in some way for years and years. And that's again, How do we release those things? We just allow ourselves to feel them with tremendous compassion. And when I coach moms, I always say, listen, you have an amazing reference point. You know what unconditional love and compassion is because you're a mom. Like Mm -hmm. you got that nailed. You just don't do it for yourself. Moms suck at mothering themselves. (laughs) Sorry to be
0: direct, but (laughs) it's totally true. Yeah. And And, the biggest
1: gift you can give your kids is to show them how to mother themselves. mm Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, along those lines, I think that, you know, when you were talking about letting our kids experience their feelings and not dismiss them, one of the things I think that, you know, just like with our kids, we want to make it all better and not let them feel things that are uncomfortable for very long. I think that we do no service to our kids when we are dismissive. So there's like being dismissive in the way that we want to just like help and fix it and make it better by trying to like distract them or, you know, get them focused on something else. Or fixing the problem. But then there's also when a kid is in a really upset, maybe even emotionally out of control space, and we tell them that they're fine. So a right. child's having a huge tantrum and you're like, you're fine. You just need to put on the shoes. Like right. and really just completely dismissing their experience. And that is really tempting to do like all the time. I mean, I could do this yep. like every day when my son's getting dressed and he's crying because like the kid wears a uniform. He doesn't have that many options yet. He is still constantly mm-hmm. crying about what he's going to put on in the morning. And I have mm-hmm. to so catch myself because I want to be like, this is not a big deal to him it is yeah and i also think that's how we coach ourselves and so when moms when we're in rough spots and i mean women in general i think we coach ourselves in the same way where when we feel these bigger emotions coming up and we feel them taking up space because we need to get through the day and we are pushing to get through a to-do list or facing whatever we're facing at the office or at home we say the same things to ourselves like it's not that big of a deal you need to just get over it and then we never get that feeling space
1: Right. Well, and it's like, how do you not let your child indulge in their feelings? How do you know they're not just emoting for attention? Right. Right. And that's, you know, every child is different and parenting is a spiritual practice. (laughs) You know, we can read all the books in the world and listen to all the experts in the world. And then like your kid is unique. Yeah. And one thing that I've talked to parents about and seen with my nephews who I'm very involved in their life is, you know, a lot of times it's like when he's upset on the floor or whatever, like kind of walking away and being like, Mm -hmm. you're going to figure this out. And if he misses school, then like dealing with the consequences. I think that's another thing that parents, it's so tough because like, you know, you shouldn't let your child be a reflection of you. You know, it's like you don't (laughs) want them to miss school because then they're going to be held back and then you're going to look like the shitty parents and like all those kind of things. But at the same time, it's like, if they don't learn the consequences of things, then they can sometimes use emotional expression to manipulate. Mm -hmm. So it's a tricky thing. And I think the best piece of wisdom I guess I could give is as you become more emotionally intelligent yourself and as you become more aware of how, because your kids are just, they're spiritual teachers. They're just oftentimes a reflection of what you're not looking at inside yourself. So the more that you become emotionally intelligent inside of you, the more that you learn how to navigate your own feelings with discernment and compassion and know the difference between indulging in feeling sorry for yourself or using your feelings to manipulate versus really like repressing and ignoring what you need to do, I think the better you're going to be able to navigate how to help your child navigate his or her own feelings.
0: Right, right. So how do we move from this into self-forgiveness?
1: Well, self-forgiveness is really about letting go of the charge we have against something. So a lot Mm. of times I find people try to do spiritual bypass. They try to just jump to forgiveness without getting their emotions out. Like, Mm. it's okay that that person lied to me. I know that they're just going through a tough time and whatever. I learned from it and like I learned my lesson and I'm just going to move on and blah, blah, blah. But you can't really, one, forgive them, and two, forgive yourself for trusting them unless you move through, I'm really pissed that person lied to me. Like, and what does that trigger? Who else has lied to you in your life? Because everything we're attracting and all expectations, expectation hangovers we have are an opportunity to look at what is this really triggering inside me? So it's important first to feel the feelings. And then when the emotional charge is out of the way, then we can really drop into compassion. We have more understanding. We have deeper wisdom and we can forgive the judgments and limiting beliefs. We can forgive ourselves for whatever misunderstandings we bought into. We can forgive ourselves for any judgments we place on another. And we can forgive others because forgiving others doesn't mean that we condone their behavior. It just means we're letting go of the anger and the blame and the resentment we have. Because like, think about it. Let's say, Let's say I never forgave the people who abused me. Then I'm carrying around that anger. Like the abuse is long over, like long over. But why am I still carrying around the anger? Like what good is that going to do me? Yeah, I had to feel my sadness and feel my anger about it as part of my healing journey. But I don't want to hold that charge inside
0: myself. That's just toxic for me. Mm -hmm. So that's what forgiveness is really about. I was... Part of a conversation recently where someone said they were never going to be able to forgive someone else about something and the person was saying this in a really defensive way and like as a means of punishing the other person (laughs) like i'm just never going to forgive them like they'll be so punished if i never forgive them and i was like oh you're like totally misunderstanding what forgiveness is all about because if you're going to opt to not forgive them you're just continuing to torture yourself. Like the other person's already moved on. They're not waiting for your forgiveness. (laughs) Contrary to what you think, like they're over the whole thing and you're sitting here torturing yourself because you are opting not to forgive them. So like you just said, I mean, you made such a great point about spiritual bypassing. Yeah. Rather than working through their feelings, they're just focusing on not forgiving. Yeah. Well, and sometimes we
1: do that as a way to protect ourselves. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. well, if I hang on to the anger about this, then it will never happen again. True. You don't yeah. need to hold on to the anger to make it not happen again. In fact, you're actually more likely to attract it happening again if you hang on to the anger about it. Mm. So you're way more likely to clear it if you learn what you need to learn, feel what you need to feel, forgive what you need to forgive, and then let it go. Because as long as you're not forgiving, it's in your field. Like you're yeah. hanging on to it. Like it's still a germ. It's right. still
0: there. You might as well just clear yourself of it. Mm, such a good point. Such a good point. I appreciate that. Let's talk about our inner critic and why does our inner critic exist and how can we better manage self-criticism? And I'm laughing because I feel like women are just like everyone I've ever worked with has talked about their inner critic and how the, essentially the voices in our head get in the way of everything, right? And they prevent progress in so many ways. So I feel like this is like commonly known, yet it's still such a huge struggle for pretty much everyone. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so I really like, it's such a great question. And believe me, my inner critic, I've had quite a journey (laughs) with her. So I really have geeked out on the like developmental psychology of this. And this has really helped me. And I hope this is kind of like a new rabbit hole I've gone down. So I hope I can explain it. In a clear way, and if I don't, please call me out, and I'll do my best.
0: Um, <laughs> I'm so excited. I feel like talk- we're getting like
1: hot off the press here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to criticize myself while I'm down the inner critic. Right. So, one of the developmental stages for kids is knowing good, bad, right, wrong, because you go from pooping in your pants and eating whatever you want and screaming in restaurants to understanding, wow, uh, okay, I can't just poop in my pants, I can't scream at a restaurant, like that's not okay, that's wrong, that's bad, that will get me in trouble. And so the inner critic actually forms then. The inner critic or inner judge actually forms when we start to learn good, bad, right, wrong. The problem is it gets a little bit too reinforced like it's a necessary developmental thing. It's not like we just made up the inner critic because all of us are like, want to torture ourselves. We actually need it. It's a part of our developmental psychology, which is why it's so hard to get rid of. And I'm sure everybody listening can relate to this. You know, the inner critic is there, but then you criticize the inner critic (laughs) for being there and you're in this rabbit hole. And so, how do we really turn the volume down because we can't ever get rid of it because it's actually part of our developmental psychology. How we start to work with it is we've got to turn up the volume of our inner wisdom because Mm -hmm. what happens for most of us developmentally is that our own inner wisdom wasn't nourished enough. That's the developmental psychology phase that most of us didn't get enough of is our parents going what is the voice inside your head? like what do you think what do you think would be the right answer tell me what you're feeling tell me what you sense like really getting that inner
0: voice pumped up so for women that women have been less culturally encouraged to listen to their inner critic than yes can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS. S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S. AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS.
1: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yes, I think it's human. But I think women, because we also grow up with more fear, mm-hmm. like we're like the prey of both. You know, so especially those of us, you know, who had parents like, be careful, don't do this, don't do right. that. You know, women feel like people who have daughters feel like they often need to protect their daughters more mm-hmm. and we grow up in a world where we're more susceptible to things. Mm-hmm. So that voice of good, bad, right, wrong becomes even stronger. Yeah. Because we're trying to stay safe. Right. So yes, that's a great point to clarify. So it's like that inner wisdom isn't as nourished as much. Yeah. And that's how we really start to Calm down the voice of the inner critic is we don't try to get rid of it because you can't you actually need that inner judge It's just watching how ruthless you allow it to be And turning up the volume of that inner wisdom and for example when my inner critic comes up I notice it. I'm like. Oh, there you are Thank you. Thank you for being here You're just trying to protect me because that's what the inner critic is doing. The inner judge is doing. They're trying to protect us, meaning they're trying to make sure that we're harder on ourselves than anyone else can be. So that way it doesn't hurt us much. They're trying to make sure we get everything done that we need to get done. They're trying to make sure we don't shine too bright and make other people uncomfortable or jealous. And they're just keeping us in check because the inner critic and inner judge really believe that they're there to protect us just like They were there to protect us when we were kids so we wouldn't get in trouble and so we could learn good from bad, right from
0: wrong. So how do we turn up the inner wisdom?
1: So first, you work with it. It kind of comes a little later. First, you've got to work with recognizing the voice of the inner critic and talking to it and thanking it Mm. and asking the inner critic, like, what does it need? And could we have a bit of a job promotion to inner coach? Like, what would that sound like? And starting to talk to yourself differently. So for example... Like, okay, let's say I got off this podcast and I was like, oh, that really sucked. I shouldn't have talked about the inner critic stuff. That really, nobody followed that. That was really stupid. I can't believe. Okay, that would be the inner critic. So I go, Mm -hmm. oh, wow. Thank you, inner critic. I know you're there protecting me and I know you're there because for so many years you thought that you make me better at things. So thank you. And let's see if we could talk a little differently. And I'm literally talking about going this slow and having these conversations in your head. So back to my inside conversation. Let's see if I could talk a little differently. What would my inner coach say? My inner coach would say, you know what? You did the best you can. You did the best you could. You delivered value. And what do we want to do even better next time? And the important thing to keep in mind when you're promoting your inner critic to an inner coach is you don't want to go from inner critic to inner cheerleader. Your brain won't trust you. You can't go from you suck. You did that terribly, too. That was amazing. You're the best in the world. Everyone will love you. Like, it's too big of a pendulum swing. Mm-hmm. But when you can just go to, you did the best you could. And what do you want to do even better? Then that inner critic doesn't have to be so reactive because it feels heard. Because, again, inner critic and inner judge really thinks it's protecting us. It really thinks it's doing a purpose. So until we acknowledge it, it's just going to get louder. And the more we acknowledge it, the quieter that volume gets and then naturally the voice of your inner wisdom will come up because our inner wisdom is always there. It's always there. It just isn't – because it doesn't think it's protecting us, it doesn't fight as hard as the inner critic and inner judge so it isn't as loud. But if you can quiet down the volume of the inner critic, then naturally the voice of your intuition will start to come forward more.
0: Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. I'm so glad you opted to talk about this. And that was very (laughs) cohesive and coherent.
1: Thank you. No, I don't have to beat myself up. I know. Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) No panicking when we get done here. So, do you think positive affirmations are effective or ineffective? I think they're effective in
1: combination with other things. Okay. On their own, I don't know how effective they'll be because here's the thing if I have a childhood, of an alcoholic parent, never feeling like inconsistency, not knowing when the next shoe was going to drop. Just affirming I am safe, I'm safe, I am safe, just saying that in my um, head, it will help a little bit, but it doesn't help with, you know, my nervous system that's still traumatized with yeah. the chaos and all the trauma that I've stuffed down deep inside. Right. So yes, I think they're helpful in combination with other work that you're doing.
0: I appreciate that. I think that's a really helpful distinguishing piece there. I use affirmations, but in different ways than I used to. And so I think that's interesting to consider. I used to use them. Are you familiar with the miracle morning? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I started doing the miracle morning and I just pulled an affirmation that Hal and his book had in there. And it was like this long lofty thing about like being capable and strong and all these things. And I felt super cheesy about the whole thing. So then I started just writing lists of like accomplishments of things that I wanted to accomplish. And I was like, you know, I have a seven figure business. I give $50,000 to charity and things like that. And that like having those really concrete things for me, that helped me stay really like goal oriented and helped me position myself in certain ways in certain places. And so that was a lot for me, like having that specificity Mm -hmm. just kept me more focused, but that was very different than you are beautiful. You are powerful. You are, you know, so it's interesting how they can serve different purposes. And like you said, yeah, it definitely in conjunction with other practices has more value. Let's talk around self-worth and net worth because you say they're connected and correlated. So before kind of as our last topic here, I'd love to hear how we can make more money by improving our self-worth.
1: Well, One of the things that I learned in my master's program, I have a a degree in spiritual psychology. And I mean, this won't be a newsflash to anyone. I'm sure other teachers have said it in other ways. But outer experience is a reflection of inner reality. So whatever we believe about ourselves will be reflected to us in our external environment. And if you really believe that you're not enough, your finances will show that. Or you'll make a little, but then all of a sudden an unexpected expense will come in. It's like you can't seem to keep it in the bank. And you work, 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 but yet, you know, you're not seeing the financial results of that. And so when we have a low self-worth, when we think that our value lies in what we do versus who we are, one, we have to put way more pressure on ourselves to work harder. So we end up doing more. And two it's almost impossible to generate a lot of income and wealth because it's in direct conflict with what we believe about ourselves. Mm. So I have found that, you know, my bank account (laughs) has been very reflective of the degree to which I love myself and the degree to which I, you know, because self-worth isn't just about believing you're worthy. It's also taking actions that show your unconscious mind and the little girl inside you that you are worthy. So it's taking the actions of, you know what? I'm actually not going to work this extra two hours. I'm going to go to yoga. You know what? I'm actually not going to keep inside this problem I'm having in my marriage. I'm going to be vulnerable and go talk to a friend because I'm worthy of someone listening to what I'm saying. You know, I am going to submit this pitch to be on this podcast because I have valuable things to say. Mm -hmm. So it's both the inner work of looking at where that worthiness story came from. Like, did you inherit it from one of your parents? Is it because you were criticized your whole life? Did you never feel like enough? Were you the younger sibling? and felt like your older sister was the star, older brother, whoever it was. Like, one, where does the story come from? What are the feelings you need to feel deal and heal about that particular thing and then how are you going to take different actions so you're broadcasting a different message to the universe
0: right so this is making me laugh because I have this membership community called Momentum Mamas. And when I launched the community, like, I don't know, like 25% or so of the women when they first joined the group quit their jobs. And I was like, whoa, 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 like, <laughs> I did not launch this group for you all to like go quit your jobs. like. And it was such an interesting thing because this was not an expectation at all. Like this is basically like a personal development space. It was not a professional development space. But what was fascinating is so many of the women in the group as they were working on themselves were like, oh, well. Well, now I see like I'm way more qualified to do something else or I'm definitely going to like go for this promotion or this raise. And it just started happening like in droves. So now I joke like when you join this group, there's a good chance you're going to walk away from your current job. Because I think as you start to see your self-worth in new ways, I absolutely agree that you will see your professional capability in new ways as well. And then that totally becomes reflected in what you want to do, how you want to do it, what amount of money you would like to make doing it, (laughs) all those things. Absolutely. Well, so fascinating. So fascinating. So this has been so awesome. And informative and reflective. I've loved every minute. Tell people where they can find you, what you have to offer folks. I know you have a large, successful, awesome business. And I want to make sure that you have a minute to just shine the spotlight on that.
1: Thank you so much. I love what I do. So I think the best place, especially if some bells started to go off in this interview is my podcast over it and on with it, all the numbered episodes, like when it says episode number one eighty five or whatever are live life coaching sessions with people Mm -hmm. where I'm coaching people live on the air and it's unfortunate Produce, unedited, unscripted, unscreened. So, whoever like schedules that time with me, like they get the live coaching. And so, a lot of the stuff we talked about, about feeling feelings and connecting things to core wounds and all that kind of stuff. You, listening to me coach people will help you understand a lot of that. And parent moms love listening to it because it really helps them understand themselves and understand the psychology of their children because so yeah. much of it is traced back to childhood. And then my website's dot If you sign up there, you get my free coaching assessment, one of my most powerful tools. And then Instagram is my favorite social media channel.
0: Awesome. I love it. We will hook all that up. Can you say the name of the podcast one more time? Over it and on with it. Over it and on with it. Got it. Okay. I will make sure that's all hooked up in the show notes. And we so appreciate you being here today, Christine. I know that you're busy. I know it's been a Monday and you still <laughs> showed up. So so grateful for this time together. Thank you so much.